This is Financially Free with Wellington Adams, featuring Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Barron and Simon provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Financially Free with Wellington Adams with your hosts, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Financially Free with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. If you'd like a little more information about what you're going to hear today during the show, please give us a call at 855 793 2409 or visit us online at wellingtonadams.com and while at our website you can click on the radio page and check out some of our past shows if you've missed them and also subscribe uh, to our show on iTunes, Google Play or Spotify. Today's show is titled Money and Relationships. Sometimes they don't really go well together <laughs> So today we're going to talk a little bit about how to, you know, to make it a little less stressful for couples. At this time, we'd like to welcome to the show our infamous co-host, Tony Shore. How are you, Tony? Well, Baron, I am great. Baron and Simon, it's great to see you guys again today. Looking forward to this one. And uh, I've been great. I had a great week last week. I really... I wasn't so busy, so I had more time to relax and spend with the family, got some things done at, at home. How about you guys? Simon, what are you up to? Oh, that's good to hear, my man. We, uh, Baron and I were doing a little traveling, so we got to see some sights down in, uh, where were we? Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Good there little town in the south. Yeah, it was a nice, 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 charming city. Got a, sure. Uh, well, I know you guys did some financial business, meeting with some other advisors, and Got to enjoy some of the uh, charms of uh, Savannah. That's nice. I wish I could have been there with you. I, I would have liked to have went down there. Uh, I almost did, but, you know, somebody had to hold down the fort, right? There I know. Sounds like you're glad you didn't. You had the best time of your life without us. Thanks. I, I did. I had said, the best yeah. week ever. <laughs> uh, but not because, but I did still miss you. Uh, sure, I guess it could sure. have been better. Could have been better. You could have been here. Um but yeah, I'm doing great, and I'm really interested in that topic, money and relationships. I always like learning more about my personal relationship with money. Well, Tony, today's episode is going to focus on money issues that impact your marriage or your relationship. It's, oh, so it's a little different then. That's right. It's, it's <laughs> Close but no cigar on, on what you said there, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's something that many of our clients have had to deal with at some point or another, um, taking the time to address issues before they turn into problems can be very valuable. Uh, one of our sources today for the show is an investopedia.com article titled Top Six Marriage Killing Money Issues. Money can really be a source of stress for individuals, um, couples as well, or any kind of other interpersonal relationship. In fact, according to an October 2018 American Psychological Association report titled Stress in America, 
64% of adults surveyed are stressed about money. One third of adults in relationships report that money is a big source of conflict. And unfortunately, financial problems are the leading cause of divorce. So clearly, money issues really affect the majority of Americans. You and your partner or spouse, they really owe it to each other to have a calm, honest conversation about each other's finances and goals and what their anxieties are. Couples who have troubles talking about money really should seek out the help of a financial advisor. Yeah, good advice. I mean, money stress, Baron, is something I think all of us have experienced at some point in our lives. And when you add in relationships, uh, the pressure cooker gets turned to 11. It sure does. It gets pretty darn hot. Um, And that's why today we're going to focus on a few money issues that impact couples. Starting um, first with keeping separate accounts. According to the Investopedic uh, article, some couples decide to split expenses down the middle and pay their half out of their own individual accounts. You know, often this type of financial setup results in resentment about who gets to spend on what and when. It can even evolve into a competition. I paid for this, so then you got to pay for that. It becomes like kind of a tit for tat. So in some cases, having separate accounts can also lead to one partner hiding money from the other. And that can really have some negative impacts, obviously. The, the drawbacks of setting, of, excuse me, of separating finances can also include reduced buying power as well as eliminating other financial benefits that may come with marriage. So it seems like joint bank accounts might be another option. Uh, Simon, what are some benefits to having a joint account? Well, that's a good question, Tony. You know, there can be several benefits to a joint bank account. And obviously, they're quite common. You know, TD Bank did a survey that showed 76% of couples said that they shared at least one bank account. Joint bank accounts can tend to provide more transparency in the spending that's going on for each person in the relationship. And they can also streamline some of the legal affairs, you know, in the event, you know, if there's an unfortunate passing away, uh, well, joint bank account allows the surviving partner to have uh, continued access to the funds rather than that not being the case as it would be if you were individually held. And that's often overlooked. Couples may also find it helpful in the budgeting process as well, as all expenses are contained within one account, which both have access to and can, you know, understand kind of what's going on in the total big picture. Well, Simon, those all seem like really positive reasons to have a joint account. They certainly are, Tony. However, there can be some drawbacks to joint accounts as well. Some individuals can feel like they have less control or independence when they don't have their own account. You know, joint accounts can also lead to issues if the couple isn't communicating about what they're spending on. Perhaps you both assume that one was going to pay the electric bill and it never gets paid or the opposite happens and it gets paid twice due due to some confusion between the two of you. Joint accounts can also be potentially problematic when it comes to situations like an ending of a relationship because both parties have access to the money in the account. The other person could, one person, you know, could withdraw all the money and close the account without the other person's consent or even being aware of it. And this could obviously lead to a very messy and uncomfortable breakup moment. Well, yeah, I would, I would say so. That scenario sounds like something out of a movie. I mean, where one partner 
empties out the account, then skips the country. That would definitely make things a bit awkward. Just a wee bit. (laughs) That actually, Tony, leads us to another issue that can be awkward and uncomfortable, um, which is debt. Debt is a very serious issue for a lot of Americans, and it can adversely impact a relationship. You know, it can take many forms, whether it's credit cards, car loans, or gambling. Most people bring debt into a relationship, but if one person brings more debt into it than the other, or the other person is debt-free, the sparks can really start to fly. Although debts that are brought into a marriage remain attached to the person that brought them in, um, with that being said, most states have determined that debts are incurred that are incurred after a marriage are generally owned by both partners. There are actually nine states, though, in which all property and debts are shared after marriage, regardless of whether they're individual or joint status. And Pennsylvania is not one of them. Oh, so I didn't realize that some states had that rule. So what states does that impact? Well, those are Arizona, California, Nevada, Idaho, Washington, New Mexico, Texas, Louisiana, and Wisconsin. So if listeners, you're hearing us all the way in one of those states, take note. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you plan on moving to one of those states, take note. Um, But you're not liable for most of your spouse's debt that was incurred before marriage in those states. But any debt incurred after the wedding may be shared by both individuals even when applied for by only one member of the relationship. So debt can potentially be a problem that causes resentment, especially if one member of the partnership feels like they're paying for debt that they shouldn't have to cover. I recommend that couples discuss their existing debt before combining their financial lives. That can probably you know, have, again, things up and honest conversations. And they could even potentially enlist the counsel of a financial service professional to help them dis, you know, facilitate that discussion. Well, yeah, it's always great to work with a financial professional like yourself, Simon and Barron, but unfortunately we have to take a quick break from the show right now. Our time is almost up for the first segment. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we take a quick break here? Well, Tony, you know, talking about these types of things in a relationship is important as you prepare for your financial success moving forward. You know, visit us at wellingtonadams.com or give us a call at 855-793-2409 to receive a copy of the Retirement Income Planning Toolkit. We want to help you prepare for that process, and this is a good tool to get you started. Most people plan on taking their Social Security benefits at one of three ages, 62, 66, or 70. But did you know that there are over 20,000 calculations that could be run to determine the best time for you to file? Call Wellington Adams Investment Advisory at 855-793-2409 or visit wellingtonadams.com to request your complimentary Social Security Maximization Report that will help you learn how you can get the most out of your benefit. Welcome back, everyone, to Financially Free with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. Today, one of our main sources is an Investopedia article titled Top Six Marriage Killing Money Issues. In the first segment of today's show, we looked at two different potential issues, joint or individual bank accounts and debt. The article from Investopedia refers to the next issue as personality. They define personality as how you handle money, 
Now, are you a spender or are you a saver? Understanding your money personality is the first step and will help you both shape your approach to spending, saving, as well as investing. I'd like to take this one step further and look at it as risk tolerance. Instead of just lumping each partner into a broad category, it can be very useful to learn what type of risk each member of the partnership is going to be willing to be exposed to. At Wellington Adams, we offer our clients the opportunity to color code their assets through a report called the Color of Money Risk Analysis. And this analysis is going to provide each member of the relationship with a financial picture and a roadmap to overall risk preferences. And the result is going to be a money risk score. And this short interactive analysis is really an important part of determining how to properly align assets among what we call red, yellow, and green money. Red money is being our assets that are subject to risk. Yellow monies are subject to risk, but they have the benefit of being professionally managed. And green money assets are the safe money investment choices. So while you may not be able to change your money personality, we can manage your risk factor so that you know where your level of risk is to just better achieve your financial goals. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to look at it. It makes it a lot easier to understand. Uh, that especially helps me, that color of money. But what's next on the list of potential relationship harming financial issues? Well, Tony, the next one is the power play. Ooh, the it's power another. play. Is that a hockey term? <laughs> right. I believe it is. But as it relates to relationships, it's another uh, money issue that comes up in the Investopedia notes that can be harmful to relationships. A power play occurs when one partner is employed and the other isn't, or one makes significantly more than the other, or it could occur temporarily in the case where both partners want to work, but one is struggling to find employment. A power play kind of deals with the imbalance of income and how the individual with more income or most of the income can control how the money's being spent and handled. There may be some rationale behind this idea, but it's still important that both partners cooperate and communicate when it comes to spending. As we mentioned earlier, when discussing the pros and cons of different bank account options, a joint account offers great transparency and access. However, it it's not in and of itself a solution to the lopsided power money dynamic in a relationship. And in fact, that transparency can be used to further control the spending. And this imbalance can lead to what some experts call financial abuse. Mm, that doesn't sound good. Financial abuse. And I admit, I haven't heard a lot about that one. Well, you know, there are many types of abuse out there and financial abuse is just one form that it can take. According to the National Network to End Domestic Violence, there is a report understanding financial abuse. This kind of abuse is used to control and isolate partners, and the experience is unique to each relationship and kind of depends on which form it'll take within the relationship. But it may include things like controlling how money is spent, restricting access to money or giving in an allowance, uh, withholding access to necessities like medication or food, in some extreme circumstances, um, restricting a partner's ability to work or make money for themselves, or even in some extreme cases, the theft of money, credit, or even identity. The full report, if you're interested, is available um, 
at NNEDV, which is the National Network to End Domestic Violence. And it's an article that's part of moving ahead through financial management curriculum. Wow. Wow. I mean, that that gets pretty heavy. Uh, yeah. th- that's a lot to consider. Uh, and it sounds like that report would be a great resource. Oh, absolutely, Tony. I mean, it really is. That's that is pretty heavy. In fact, the report has some valuable tips on some more healthy and productive ways that couples can talk about their finances as well as their desires and needs. Every relationship uh, and its financial picture, they're going to be unique. Perhaps one member of the couple manages the day to day finances as well as the bill paying. This might be very functional and even fit well with both individuals' personalities. However, both of them should have access to and regular input on all the financial decisions. You know, in my in my family, I'm the one that personally takes care of all the bills every month. Although, however, my wife knows everything that's going on and she has input to it from time to time as well. In in my relationship, I'm looking for a volunteer for that. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Simon's not in a relationship right now, so he just wants somebody who will pay all of his bills. They don't have to pay them. They just have to Uh, (laughs) oversee the paying of them. My least favorite duty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, couples couples that are in, you know, healthy financial relationships can really have different values related to money. But joint financial goals should be negotiated and planned for together. Couples that set plans to meet those joint goals and support each other in the process are going to be much more likely to feel like they're in a healthy money relationship. Both partners should have access to the money as well. Needing to ask permission or hiding money or spending uh, should really be a red flag. Healthy financial relationships are all about compromise, honesty, and equality. In fact, in my opinion, those are vital aspects, you know, of any part of an interpersonal relationship, be be it's, you know, a romantic relationship, a professional relationship or any other relationship. Yeah, that that's a good point. And before we move on, let's share that website where you can find that report again for our listeners. Uh, Simon said earlier that uh, report is available as well as more resources are available at nnedv.org. Um, it's part of their moving ahead curriculum, a financial empowerment resource. As a reminder, the information in this curriculum is just intended to be general advice for individuals that are in an abusive relationship. I mean, not everyone's situation obviously is the same, but you may need specific advice for your own situation. I mean, if so, then contact a domestic violence advocate or visit thehotline.org. Now, on to those final two issues from the article. The last two money issues that affect relationships are related, literally related. They are children and extended family. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Related indeed. The decision to have children is a big one, a big question for any relationship. You know, and raising children is no easy financial task as well. According to the most recent available information, the average cost of raising a child from birth to age 17 is about $233,000 in a married two-parent middle-income family with two children. That information comes from a 2017 U.S. Department of Agriculture 
report using information from 2011 through 2015 and figured in the 2015 dollars. So with inflation likely to occur, you have to factor that in and expect those numbers to increase in the future. Having children impacts not just the pocketbook, but you know, also the timeline and development of a relationship. Does one partner stay at home when the children are younger? Does that impact the long-term retirement strategy or that person's career advancement goals or development in the years to follow? Mm. You know, as I'm sure you're aware, having children is of course a big decision and certainly one that brings about financial considerations both now and in the future, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are all important questions to ask. And and again, it comes back to three things that are obviously vital to any healthy financial relationship, compromise, honesty, and equality. Right, Baron? Absolutely, Tony. I mean, it's not just the immediate family that those are important for. It's also, you know, important when it comes to extended family relationships. The issue of money and extended family can involve gifts that maybe one side of the family can afford, but the other can't. Or the expectation maybe of extravagant vacations and expenses that might not fit into the partnership's budget. It could even be just loaning money to family members in need or maybe they need money for a business venture. Each of those scenarios can really increase stress and cause problems in any relationship or partnership. Yeah, I mean, money obviously can drive a wedge between people and I think we can all think of at least one example in our own lives where that's happened. Certainly does. Stress and friction between relatives over money can be all too common, unfortunately. Often we think of lending money when it comes to money challenges within extended family, which is why our last resource for today is an article titled, Nine Tips for Lending Money to Family and Friends. We'll examine a few of these tips before we end our time together today. First, I'll mention that We should be very cautious and deliberate when considering to lend money to family and friends. You know, I generally tell clients if they're considering lending money to family or children that they should do so only if they can afford not to receive it back and that they should be aware that that possibly may happen and consider how it'll impact the relationship both now and in the long term and from both sides, you know, how it'll affect them and the person they're lending it to. Yeah, that's really Yeah, that's a tough situation to be in. So what are the top tips, in your opinion, from that article, Baron? Well, I feel the first tip is especially good, and that's deal with cash only. And what it's telling you is to avoid any kind of connection or contract that could impact your credit score. You don't want to open a credit card in their name or co-sign on a loan. Those situations can put you in a position where someone else's actions are going to impact your own financial future. So dealing with cash avoids these entanglements. I actually, you know, it's funny we were talking about Simon before about, you know, causing stress and all that. And really, you know, what he tells the clients is is absolutely true. It's almost like you will have to almost look at it as you're giving a gift and you can afford that money if you're not going to get it back. I actually lent my brother-in-law some money for him to get his first car. And I just wrote him a check for the money that he was going to borrow. He's actually a a very, very responsible young man. And he's almost already all paid up on his loan uh, with monthly payments for the last three years that he's made. So, I mean, I I just kind of knew that about him and before me even making that decision to lend it to him because I kind of felt that he was going to be very responsible. 
but it's much better much better to deal with cash as opposed to me signing co-signing a loan for him in that situation. Well, yeah, definitely. And, and these are great tips. Uh, Simon, do you have anything else? Well, there are a few more that I'd like to touch on. You know, if you decide to lend money to friends or family, it's important to consider outlining the terms clearly so that both sides are aware of the expectations in the timeline. And you should consider putting it in writing so that there's no confusion later after some time has gone by and things get a little fuzzy in the memory. And finally, you know, worst case scenarios, if you're dealing with larger sums of money, it's important to discuss the potential ramifications of breaking the agreement. You know, there could be late charges. You could be talking about a collection process, maybe even legal action, unfortunately. And, you know, it's not comfortable to talk about, but asking for money rarely is a comfortable experience. And it's, you know, important that both parties are on the same side. Also, if you're not able to follow these tips, you may want to avoid loaning money altogether. You could offer to refer them to a financial services professional to help them examine some of the other options that may be available to them that they haven't considered yet. Yeah, that's good advice. But you said asking for money is rarely a comfortable experience. I, I'm more than comfortable asking you two for money, <laughs> Simon and Baron. I mean, you know that. Anytime. I, I don't course. have any problem asking you guys for money. Now, uh, we've covered a lot today, a wide range of really potentially damaging issues, right, Baron? Yep, we have. Uh, so what can be done to avoid those potentially damaging uh, money issues? Often the best way to combat these issues is just as we said before, with communication and honesty. Discussing money can really be difficult and uncomfortable, and there's no magic wand that's going to ease all of your financial stress. However, taking important steps today can help you avoid potentially negative consequences down the road. Make time to have that difficult talk soon before it becomes a relationship killing money issue. Like health problems, financial anxieties, if they're not addressed, can become far bigger problems with much more difficult solutions. And the best way to be sure that you and your spouse are on the same page with your finances is to talk about them regularly, honestly, and without judgment. Yeah, great point. And the time has just flown by, and unfortunately, we're out of time for this week's show. Is there any additional information you'd like to share with us before we have to go today? Well, Tony, we'd just like to thank the listeners once again for tuning in with us. A little bit of a different twist on today's show, but it's important in the context of how things will develop in your financial future moving forward. We'd encourage the listeners to reach out to us either on the website at wellingtonadams.com or give us a phone call at 855-793-2409. We always set aside some appointment slots each week to sit down with the listeners, discuss that retirement income planning toolkit, help them understand if they're on track and if any of these topics are of interest to them, discuss that as well. All right. Sounds great. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Financially Free Radio with our hosts, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard. Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Baron Fitzgerald or Simon Hilliard at Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. Call 855-793-2409 or visit them online at wellingtonadams.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Baron Fitzgerald, Simon Hilliard, and Wellington Adams Investment Advisory are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.